We are so glad you've joined us today for our Tuesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. Well, good evening. Welcome to Calvary Castle Rock Wednesday night study as we're going through 1 Samuel. Uh, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 2. You know, a quick little recap if you weren't with us this last week. Um, we have a family here. We have a family, uh, well, where a guy's name is Elkanah, who is from the tribe of Levi. He's called an Ephraimite, um, but not because he was from the tribe of Ephraim, because he was from the tribe of Levi, um, but he was in this Levitical city in the boundaries of Ephraim, and, and so that's why he's called an Ephraimite here. Um, we are told that he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was the no, is uh, Panina. You know, it's interesting, and I didn't mention this last week, but Panina means uh, pearl or coral. Now think about that for a second. One is smooth and beautiful, and the other one cuts and is abrasive. And I look at that and I go, she really had a choice of which one she wanted to be. She could have been a real pearl, but instead she decided to be a coral. That completes this Tuesday edition of uh, Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. uh, Join us Wednesday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. Um, And so... Fall is here, um, uh, which means Panina, it's time for our uh, annual children, Harvest but, uh, Festival. Hannah had On October no children, 31st, so, uh, Calvary Castle Rock will be hosting a wonderful free event for the whole Lord. family. Year after year, the night uh, will Hannah include would go carnival there, games, uh, inflatables, as well, high strikers, and they would face pray to painting, the Lord. funnel and, and cakes, food, food, and of course, lots of candy. So come on out and join us. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you'll indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a male child, the then I'll give him to the Lord station. all the days of his life, and no razor shall like come more upon his head. And so please visit we uh, talked last week about what a Nazarite vow was all about, being That's separated Calvary for the Lord. And so she was offering back to God if God was to bless her. So if God was going to give her this great blessing, she was going to turn around Thank and give it back Thank you again for listening in today. And until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Eli the priest saw her. And uh, saw her petition. At first, she th- he thought that she was drunk, uh, but she was just distraught. And so then Eli blesses her in verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And so God does answer Hannah's prayer, verse 20. And so it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived, bore a son, called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. And so Hannah raises him for about two, three, maybe four years of age. And then once he is weaned, she goes and she brings him to Eli. And so it says in verse 25, And then he slaughtered a bull, brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition which I asked of him. Therefore, I've also lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. And so that's kind of where we ended up last week. And so uh, this next part here uh, really blesses me because it shows the response of Hannah's heart to everything that's gone on. 
And so this is a song, but this is a, a song of joy that she, she speaks, that she sings. And so here it says, in verse 1, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Who's she speaking of there? <laughs> Penina. I now smile in her presence. And her smile basically says, Neener, neener, neener. So... Because I rejoice in your salvation. And he's speaking about the Lord there. I love this, how Hannah drops off Samuel. She's vowed to the Lord, and Samuel will never set foot in her mother's household again. Uh, She will continue to visit him, at least on a yearly basis. And just as we read here uh, in a moment how she comes to him year after year, it doesn't mean that throughout the year she doesn't come and visit him as well. Okay, Uh, But still, to take your son, your only son, and then to hand him back into the service of the Lord. That's huge, absolutely huge. And so Hannah, on the day of her biggest sacrifice to the Lord, we don't see her crying selfish tears of regret, but instead we see her rejoicing, and she finds that comfort in a person. She finds that comfort in the Lord. She just, you know, gave up her son, her only son, and yet she rejoices in a person, which tells me it doesn't matter how bad things might be going Uh, circumstantially, this tells me I can rejoice in a person. I don't have to rejoice in my situation. Sometimes a situation is really bad. Sometimes people die. Sometimes the crisis is really bad. I'm not called to rejoice in my situation, but I am called to rejoice in a person. And that person is God. That person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see Hannah doing that here. And what a tremendous example that is to us. That she's able to rejoice in the person. In the person. I can rejoice in the Lord. Even in the most desperate situation, I can rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he's never going to leave me or, or forsake me. You know? Because my future is bright. No matter how dim my situation might be, how my present might be, no matter how dim that is, my future is secure in the person of Jesus Christ. I get to spend all of eternity with him. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. So she rejoices in the person, and by rejoicing in the person, it reminds her of who she really is, and she is a child of God. It's one of the reasons why Paul says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for that is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. It doesn't say sometimes. Rejoice always. And you pray without ceasing. You should... Not just pray in the morning. You shouldn't just pray once or twice a week. You should have this dialogue with God all throughout the day without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. You know why? Because it's God's will. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It's God's will to be thankful. And I got to tell you something. It's like what I mentioned uh, this last weekend, when you worship God, he inhabits the praises of his people. When you worship God, that's a heart of thanksgiving. And so when you have a thankful heart, it will raise your countenance. It will. And so this has always been God's will for his people to rejoice in him. He is the horn of their salvation. And you have the Lord. You have the Lord. And so she is going to, uh, she mentions here, my horn is exalted in the Lord. And the word horn there, it speaks of power. That's the power that an animal has when it has horns. That's where its power resides in. And so she gets her strength, her power is in the Lord. He is her horn. 
In Psalm 75, 4, it says, I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Psalm 75, 10 says, all the horns of the wicked I will also cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. It speaks of their power in him. In Psalm 18, verse 2, it says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and horn of my salvation, my stronghold which shows that this is where the real power comes from. It comes from my salvation in the person in whom I trust. It's the person, the person, the person, the person, the person. It's the Lord. It's Jesus Christ is where my strength comes from. That's the horn of my salvation. And so this is what Hannah is saying. God is my strength, my power, and she'll put her trust in him. And then you have verse 2. It says, no one is holy like the Lord. Now, this is interesting because the word holy there means separation, okay? That's what the word holy means. Holy doesn't mean that um, uh, because we are his holy people. We, We talk about the instruments of the Lord as being holy because it's separated for him. And so we are separated for him. But the interesting thing about God, God is holy because in and of himself, he doesn't need anyone else. He doesn't need anyone else. He does not need me. He does not need the angels. He doesn't need creation. He needs nothing. In and of himself, he is very self-sufficient. We are not. We're God-sufficient. We have to rely upon him. But he, in and of himself, he needs nothing. And so because of that, no one is holy like the Lord. Only the Lord could be that way. Have you ever tried to be that way? It's just me, man. It's just me against the world. How'd that work out for you? Not too good. Because we're not created to just be by ourselves. We are created in order to have fellowship with one another and definitely having fellowship and a relationship with the Lord. There's none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. I like this. No one is holy like the Lord, for there's none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. This is, um, this is Hebrew poetry called repetitive parallelism. And what this means is that, that, um, that this is said three different ways, but it's saying the same thing. Whereas in our poetry, you know, you know someone will say, uh, repeat a poem to me and say, well, what do you think? And the first thing I, I think is, well, it didn't rhyme. You know, <laughs> is it considered a poem if it doesn't rhyme? Well, for, for the Hebrew poets, it is because it rhymes in this way. It rhymes in the sense that the thoughts and the ideas are the same. And because the thoughts and the ideas are the same, all three times, uh, all three of these lines in verse 2 rhyme in the way of sounding the same. It is saying the same thing. It's just a different way of saying it, but it's saying the same thing. No one is like the Lord. No one is like the Lord. And so that's just a Hebrew uh, parallelism there. And so in verse 3 it says, talk no more, talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. Who's she talking about there? Nina. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Now that should bring to remembrance uh, back in Daniel when it came to uh, Belshazzar, um, and all of a sudden the handwriting on the wall, and it said, Many, many, tekel you farsen. And, and what that means is, it says you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. 
I love that. Guess what? Judgment time. Now's the time to weigh and find out your actions and your life that you're given. And, and if it equals out, oh, look at this. You are found wanting. You have not done the things that you were supposed to do. Because of that, you owe me, is what God's saying. And how are you going to pay him? With your very life, because the wages of sin is death. That's why. And what Hannah is pointing out here is the fact that, look, if we look back all the way to chapter 1 in the verse 1 and 2, we're looking at a godly woman, not such a godly woman, not such a godly woman being blessed with children, and the godly woman being barren and having no children. But this is the point. That was not the time for, for um, that was not the time where everything was going to be looked at in its entirety. There is still life to be lived. That chapter of her life has not been fully written yet. And a lot of times we take a look at someone's situation or your own situation, and you have all sorts of questions of why God is doing this, 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 and this. That chapter of their life has not been fully written yet. We can't make a judgment based on where they are right now at this time. God's not done writing that chapter yet. And as we're going to find out here in a moment, at the, end of the, at the end of this little part here, is that God ends up visiting her again, and she has five more kids. How awesome is that? But if you were to look at the beginning of chapter one, you're going, gosh, I wonder why God's doing this. What's going on? That chapter is not over yet. And so we need to understand that. When tragedy strikes Aurora or when it strikes somewhere else, we have all sorts of questions. You know what? That chapter is not fully written yet. And since that time, we hear all sorts of amazing things that God has done and praises and and, and ways that we can worship God. And we will continue to hear that. That chapter is still not done and it won't be done for a long time. And so we need to wait on God and just understand what the word of God says. He is a just and holy God. And we need to wait until the full outcome. And it says in verse 4, the, bows, the bows of the mighty men are broken. Those who stumble are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. And the hungry have ceased to hunger. And even the barren has borne seven. And she who has many children has become feeble. Um, those who are full are now begging. Those who have become feeble are now strong. Uh, those who are low are now exalted. And he's shown a contrast here of what God does. The Lord kills, makes alive. He brings down to the grave, brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. I want you to go to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Verse 7. It says this. So he told a parable to those who were invited, and when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and and him come and say to you, Give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, this is a very important principle in life. 
you do not need to blow your own horn. You do not need to try and find the, the best place. Because what he says here at the end, he says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Just seek the low place. This is where God has you. So be it. Rejoice in him. Remain humble and contrite and then watch him lift you up into a place of prominence and influence where you can minister to others. But until that time, take the lower place. And there's a reason for this because you need to be able to see the hand of God move and exalt you. And then when he exalts you, understand it's the Lord, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And when people say, oh, aren't you great? Oh, that was so amazing and this and that. Say, first, it's not me, it's God. It's not me, it's the Lord. You know. Hey, John, what was it that you told me uh, before when, when I was going out the door and some people were saying, hey, well, that was a real wonderful sermon and things like that. And there was, a, there was a guy who said, when people used to come up to him, say, oh, Satan already told me that? Who was that? Donald Gray Barnhouse is who I think you told me. Yeah. The devil already told me that. I love that story. Too late. And so he's coming down and someone's saying, hey, I want to be the first to tell you, you know, great sermon or whatever. And he said, too late. The devil already told me that. Because he wants to get a big head. He wants you to think it is you. He wants you to think this. He wants you to think that you're greater than this. And we're not. By the grace of God, go I with anybody's problems in life. And we need to rejoice in the person. I thank God that, that he brought me here to Calvary Chapel, Castle Rock. I thank God for that. But it was God. It wasn't me. If this ministers to anyone as we're teaching through this, it's God. It's not me. I've read enough times in God's word that he can use a donkey. So why do I think I'm in some high presence? I shouldn't. He does not need me, but he does want me. And want is a much higher desire than need. But he doesn't need me. He will raise someone else up. As we're going to see here with Samuel, you have two other priests, Hophni and Phinehas, and and they obviously don't love the Lord. And God's saying, all right, if you're not going to do what I'm calling you to do, then I'll raise up somebody will and just always remember that you can be replaced you're very much replaceable but know this god wants to use you right where you are but if you aren't going to be used there he'll raise somebody else up to do the job they're at work in your neighborhood in your family whatever it might be he wants to use you however if you're not going to be usable if you're not going to let him use you he will raise somebody else up He will. And so, he can do anything. He can kill, make alive. He can make poor and make rich. He can bring low. He can lift. He can do everything. And Hannah's saying, and he did that with me. I was barren. My my womb was dead. He made it alive. And I rejoice in that person in the Lord. Verse 8 says, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes to make them inherit the throne of the glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. And he has set the world upon them. We don't even really know what that means. The pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. But we know this. 
God is the one that keeps this world spinning on its axis. He's the one that did that. And so Hannah was very confident in God's ability to humble the strong, exalt the weak, because God is in control. The very pillars or the foundation of the earth belong to God. He established the world. It cannot be moved. Nothing escapes his watchful eye. And sometimes things happen to us and we're going, are you paying attention here? It's like, of course he is. He sees it all. Nothing escapes his eye. He totally sees it all. Verse 9, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. You walk in the light, you walk with the Lord, and guess what? He will guard and guide your steps. But the wicked, they walk in spiritual darkness, and I'm telling you, they depend on their own wisdom and strength, and it might look like they're doing really well. But I'm here to tell you something. If they don't repent and turn to the person of Jesus, that day will come when they will be judged. And it doesn't matter what they've accomplished here on this earth. It does not matter how much um, uh, goods they have. It doesn't matter uh, how much pleasure they've had here on earth. It won't be anything in comparison to the judgment they're going to have. On the flip side, it doesn't matter how many trials you go through or how many hurts you go through in this world. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Romans uh, that um, Romans 8, verse 19, that this, these present trials are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in you. That's why she can rejoice in the person because her future is great. And if you know Jesus, your future, man, it's awesome. It's awesome. And then in verse 10 it says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. And I personally believe he's speaking of King David here, but he's also speaking about the ultimate king, the person of Jesus Christ, because he's the true anointed one. And so here in verse 11 it says, Then Elkanah, which is Hannah's husband, went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. We're going to see uh, a contrast here between Samuel and how he is ministering to the Lord before Eli the priest. And then we're going to see about uh, uh, Eli's son, uh, Phinehas and Hophni, and, uh, and how they don't even know the Lord. It's going to tell us here in a minute. Like the very next verse. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt, and they did not know the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I find this very interesting. Here we have people with the title priests. And a priest was there to represent God to the people, and he was there to represent the people to God. That's the job of a priest. And here you have a couple of priests. They don't even know the Lord. And nothing's really changed since then, by the way. People have the title minister, pastor, whatever, and there will be ministers and pastors. They don't know the Lord. To them, it's a job. It's an occupation is all it is. And it's not a calling at all. And just like Eli's sons... They don't know the Lord at all. And many of them will probably be corrupt. The word corrupt in the Hebrew is actually sons of Belial, meaning worthless men who openly practice lawlessness. These guys are so brash in their sin, 
They don't even try and cover it up. It's very open for all to see what it is that they are doing. And as we go through this count, you're going to find out that they're stealing the people's offerings and they're sleeping with the women. They're at the very gate of the um, tabernacle. They don't even care who knows. They're corrupt. They're wicked. They're lawless. And why? Because they don't know the Lord. That's it for another edition of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. If you've missed any of these teachings and would like to catch up, you can download our free mobile app. It's a great way to take any of Pastor Dave's teachings with you wherever you go. All you have to do is go to the Apple App Store or Google Play and search for Calvary Castle Rock. Once you've installed the app, open it up and click on Teachings, and then go to On the Radio. There you can listen to today's segment or any of the previous segments by broadcast date. You can also subscribe to our radio audio podcast. If you want to learn more about our ministry, please go to our website at calvarycr.com. That's calvarycr.com. As always, thanks again for listening in today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.